Welcome, Foolish Mortals, to the Halloween episode of Markin' Out. I am your host, your ghost host, on this online listening experience. Our tour begins right here in your mind. <laughs> This is Markin' Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Markin' Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Markin' Out, y'all. Markin' Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Markin' Out, y'all. Running like this Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Markin' Out, y'all. Markin' Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Thank you for listening to Markin' Out. This is Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, and it is episode 664. It is a spooky Halloween episode. So make sure you do something extra spooky. Go subscribe to our podcast, which isn't really spooky, but it will entertain you. Over on Spotify, over on Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you may be looking for podcasts. Also, check us out, prowrestlingtees.com slash out because... You want to buy a t-shirt. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And also make sure you check us out on TikTok and Twitch. You can follow me, Dave the Rave, over at DavidPTDPT. And also Brandon at BTTG161. And Chris at ChrisSweenDog at CMSweeney85. But you know the gist. I am here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always. How about yourself? Doing fantastic because it's Halloween week. I I always love Halloween week. What about you? Technically Halloween week. I mean, like next week is Halloween week, but yeah, it's every, the everybody's weekend, like celebrating so... this weekend, though. You know, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I had a, a decent week. Not much happened. I made a. I can't, I want to say it was supposed to be a cheesesteak inspired meatloaf. Okay. But I forgot to add the cheese. So it (laughs) it wasn't a cheesesteak? Well, I mean, I added cheese after the fact. (laughs) I'm going to have a cheesecake, but I only ended up eating cheese. It just doesn't work. (laughs) I I put the cheese afterwards, though. And I made, I sauteed the onions and I put onions on top. So that was good. But. I didn't have enough meat, really, so it was, like, falling apart, so I threw it in the air fryer, and it crisped up pretty nicely, mm-hmm. and that was pretty good, and the, the sautéed onions on top crisped up. I thought that was pretty good, too. Awesome, awesome. What else did you do? Anything? I also, I went to a Cheesecake Factory. It's pretty much weekly, but I was looking at the, the cheesecakes in the dessert case, and I asked the guy behind the counter... What do they do with the the cake scraps that are left on the, the pan after they put the slices in somebody's plate or whatever? Ooh, good question. Uh-huh. And he looked and he goes, ooh, that's not even supposed to be there. <laughs> He's like, we would throw those out. And if my boss came over here and saw that, we'd probably get in trouble for having it. Because I guess it's supposed to come off the, the pan, like, clean. Uh-huh. But it didn't. And uh, he was like, do you do you want this? So... <laughs> He scraped up <laughs> the bottom of the red velvet cheesecake and put it into a small little cup for me to eat. That's so, so weird. So I got like a free, a mini piece of cheesecake kind of. 
That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But how was your week? My week was good. You know, we had a lot of students sit for the NPTE this week. So very, very high tense uh, times right now. A lot of students sitting, a lot of high stress, high anxiety while, uh, you know, just trying to help them through this. But yeah, and just keeping in touch with the people that we spoke about last week, you know, like uh, F. Scott, who we had the opportunity to do a road trip with. And um, yeah, it was just uh, a busy, busy week. And I am very excited for the weekend. And it's funny because when I'm so excited for the weekend, but then when the weekend gets here, like, I really just want to be kind of left alone sometimes and just relax. <laughs> but yeah, that's like, I kind of dread when there's pay-per-views on because mm-hmm. I would prefer because <laughs> it's literally Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not Thursday, although Thursday we record and then Friday. So it's like every day of the week is wrestling. Mm-hmm. Obviously not for you. Yours is like a completely different schedule. Yeah. But. Yeah. But it's nice to have days without wrestling. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. I mean, you already know. I I struggle to just get two days a week in there for wrestling just because sometimes it's just... Sometimes you just don't have the energy to do stuff. Um, But, yeah. But let's get on to it. Let's talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Night... Okay. Oh, oh. Judgment Day opened up the show... (laughs) And Cody Rhodes interrupted them and them. I was going to say that and said them. He interrupted Finn Balor and Damian Priest and spoke about Rhea Ripley being the real leader of the Judgment Day and making deals with the Bloodline. I guess kind of rubbing it in the faces of Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. And he addressed Damian Priest in the low blow spot from last week and said that their fight's not over which led to Damian Priest challenging Cody Rhodes to a match at Crown Jewel. And Cody said they should give everybody a preview on Monday Night Raw. Dominic and Rhea Ripley showed up. They surrounded the ring. Jey Uso came out and attacked Dominic. And then Cody joined in. There was a a brawl of sorts, which JD McDonough showed up for. And kind of gained the upper hand there. Upper hand? Did I say hair? I don't know. You kind of cut out on my end. (laughs) Well, uh, Damian Priest ended up smashing Cody's leg with a chair against the steps, and that sets up the whole night of Monday night with Cody getting a bum leg. Yeah, it was one of those spots where I didn't expect them to really get the one up on Cody so early Monday Night Raw, but it does make sense with the play play out of everything. Yeah. First match of the evening saw the New Day pick up the victory over Alpha Academy. Uh, Chad Gable and Xavier Woods opened this hot by using their amateur wrestling backgrounds. I thought that was a nice touch. I feel like we've seen that before from both of them. Yeah. In matches together. Yeah, I thought that this was a really solid uh, opener with them going with the wrestling wrestling route. Um, And apparently I I was seeing that a lot of people backstage are high on... uh, on actually all of them, they were very high on Chad Gable being the future, and apparently Kofi Kingston and Ivar were getting a lot of praise for their match. Yeah. Which is well-deserved. Yeah, but, very much so. And I think Gable shined big time in this match, but it was just a fun, also competitive match. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I totally. And then agree speaking with you. of speaking of Ivar, they aired a vignette with Valhalla and Ivar after this. I yeah. have to assume it's not New Day related anymore at this point. It seems like I don't know how long Eric's going to be out for. We don't know what he was out with. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're going to build Ivar up as a singles competitor right now, especially with everybody, all those news reports, like you said, being high on Ivar. Mm. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Next up, you had Becky Lynch take on Indy Hartwell to retain the championship. Um, Becky Lynch beforehand did an interview. Yeah. And Zia Lee was lurking in the background. And we saw Natalia give a pep talk to Indy Hartwell before this match. Tegan Knox is apparently injured, which is unfortunate. I'm, and then it's the never-ending story with her. I feel awful. Yeah. Well, I don't know what what her injury is. Natty said she'll be back soon, so it doesn't seem that's like true. It's that's true. That's true. We could see. Thing. Yeah. Uh, and then Lyra Valkyria sat ringside for this match, and I thought this was pretty good. I think. It was obvious that Indy Hartwell was not going to be winning the title given that Halloween Havoc was literally the night after. But mm-hmm. I very much so enjoyed this match. Becky Lynch made Indy Hartwell tap out and she shook hands with her afterwards. Yeah, Mutual Becky Lynch respect. is doing so much for the next uh, next in line pretty much, you know? Yeah. And then Candice LeRae was backstage and she got attacked by Zia Lee, who's, who... Said it was a message for her and Indy Hartwell. Mm. So I'm almost certain we have that match booked for next week on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Not 100% sure. But also, I mean, not to jump ahead, it sucks that Zia Lee didn't get a match with Becky Lynch. Yeah, I agree. The whole thing with, like, oh, it's on my time, but now that's literally going to go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Unless it's going to lead to a match against Becky Lynch and she gets one over on Becky and it's obviously not not for a title at this point. But Yeah. We saw Rhea Ripley try to kind of trick Seth Rollins into joining the Judgment Day, which I thought was a very well done segment between the two of them. But it was basically her promising to make him like Roman Reigns and that's what threw Seth Rollins off of not like listening to the point where he would join, but he doesn't want to be anything like Roman Reigns. Yeah. So he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm totally good on that. And then we cut to Adam Pierce and Nick Aldis together. And Nick Aldis apologized for having security escort, uh, Adam Pierce out of SmackDown last week. And Adam Pierce is like, you know what? Uh, that's water under the bridge as some goodwill. I'll allow you to stay at Monday night raw. And it leads into, to, I guess, to see how the show is supposed to be ran or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it leads into the Women's Championship contract signing where Adam Pierce said that Rhea Ripley, he was going to get her signature later on because she seems to be the center of all the chaos. And it seems to be true because she made her way out before he even wanted her to to be out there, I guess. I don't even Mm -hmm. think he wanted her to be in this segment, but she makes her way out and warned Adam Pierce not to, not to control her because the more he tries, the more she's going to make his life a living hell. I'm curious to see that. Uh huh. What? No, I was was going to say that she also said that she could take them all on -on one-on-one, but yeah, but but Rhea Ripley the past few weeks has been put in the line of, 
it seems like a lot of things storyline wise storyline wise is like revolving around Rhea Ripley, even with Rhea Ripley being a minute character. I mean, not a minute character, but background character at times where things are just revolving around around her. I mean, she had that thing that segment with Paul Heyman recently, and you know, there's just so much taking place with Rhea Ripley that I am so intrigued to see what she has up her sleeve and how she intends to manipulate the situations to her favor in Judgment Day's favor. Well, Nia Jax grabbed a microphone here and and spoke about squashing all of them for Rhea Ripley. And when she got to Raquel, it led to Raquel slapping the microphone out of Nia Jax's hands and a big brawl broke out with Rhea Ripley just watching it happen. And the four women each took security guards out and continued to brawl. So... Rhea Ripley, again, kind of is the main focus of chaos. Yeah, see? Later on, we saw The Miz try to talk to Adam Pearce and he said something about it's been weeks since he's done anything and maybe Nick Aldis can recognize his potential. Something like that. But Rhea Ripley, again, interrupts this. And instead of sticking with Miz and Adam Pearce, the camera follows her off. And that that annoys Miz. But again, it, it's focusing on Rhea Ripley. And then later on with Adam Pierce and Nick Aldis, you see Nick Aldis talking to Casey Catanzaro or uh, what is it? Casey, is it Casey? No, Caden Carter and Katana Chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see the him talking to them and, and Adam Pierce walked up on that. He's like, don't talk to my talent. That's not what you're here for. You're not here to talk to his superstars. You're talk to you're here to to watch the show, and Nick Aldis offered to leave. So maybe there's going to be some like dirtiness to the to the Raw vs SmackDown aspect of this. I mean, it seems like it seems like it's going to be getting dirty with Survivor Series right around the corner. You could only expect maybe we have. Do you think we'll have maybe a little bit of an invasion aspect where maybe somebody I, like maybe. I don't know if we'll see something like that. It, it certainly seems like we can. Like maybe Nick Elvis uh, next time he appears know. on Monday Night Raw. Maybe Nick just brings somebody with him. Or Adam Pierce brings somebody over to SmackDown with him. And he's just like, we're just here watching. But I want to see War Games not be Raw versus SmackDown. Um, and I'm like super torn because there was a, a moment... A few maybe months ago that we were like, oh, this is 100% going to be that War Games match. And now everything's like completely shifted. Yeah, I know. I mean, so what I I, do you think that know. there's possibility for there to be two War Games? Well, I mean, is war, war Games is not Survivor Series, correct? Yeah. It is. Hmm. It, it hasn't been confirmed, but... I mean, I could see, I could see the Adam Pierce and... Nick Aldis thing just being a traditional Survivor Series match while we still get the Judgment Day aspect in a War Games matchup. Right. But I don't know. Yes, that's what it seems like it can be. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they pair off which wrestlers go with which matchup. But it seems like that's going to be the aspect. I just The one thing that I don't like is that once again with Survivor Series... NXT is excluded, or at least for now. And I think I, I think one think of the it needs to be involved at this point. What's that? 
I don't think it needs to be involved. I don't think it does. I mean, I disagree. I, it doesn't have to be involved, but I do think for myself, I do enjoy it more when it is. I mean, that time where they had Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, that was, it was, that was fun, so enjoyable yeah, for I, everybody, you know? It, it was fun, but I don't think it's necessary at this point. I don't know. I feel like in order to be on that same level, it, it should be. Because then it's like every match, how, how are you going to do? It's like triple threats all around? I don't think I mean, that's necessary. Maybe, I agree with you. I, I don't think every match has to be a triple threat, but you could have an involvement in some places, or even just the uh, traditional match of the five-on-five. Five. It could be maybe a three-way with NXT in only that match. Like They don't have to have NXT's involvement in every single matchup, you know? But I don't know. Yeah. We saw Johnny Gargano pick up the victory over Giovanni Vinci, where uh, Ludwig Kaiser warned Giovanni that he better pick up the victory. And Bronson Reed showed up during that segment and said that if Gunther wants round two, just let him know. And then Akira Tozawa showed up and challenged Bronson Reed, but we'll get to that. As far as the match goes, Kaiser tried to get involved here. Champa who we did not see last week, showed up and took him out. And that really led to the end of the match for Giovanni Vinci. Gargano was able to hit that one final beat and pick up the victory. So, What do you think I'm about them having the match right here forward. instead of later on? What do you mean? Um, well, I mean, a few weeks ago when the DIY, they came back together and everything, they reunited, that closed out Monday Night Raw, but now they're not closing out Monday Night Raw again, and I don't think the DIY stuff is really being played up to the fact of that closing of the Monday Night Raw. Yeah, it's definitely not, but, and I don't think we'll see, uh, Imperium versus DIY close Monday Night Raw next week either. I mean, if they're going to have a close with the DIY reunion, you definitely should. But It just doesn't seem like they will. Yeah, I know. But later on, you had Bronson Reed take on and defeat Akira Tozawa. Um, Tozawa was not really having a chance in this match. He got some moves in, but come on. Yeah, he got hit with the It just wasn't thing. happening. Akira yeah. Tozawa, though, met up with Alpha Academy, and they were talking to New Day. And then that's when DIY walked in, and, and that's when we found out we were having that match or seeing that match next week with Imperium. But they gave Akira Tozawa the Cowboys championship belt to, I guess, feel better about his loss. <laughs> so... Yeah. After that, we saw a Shinsuke Nakamura promo where he spoke about Ricochet, but now he wants an opponent that'll inspire the yet-to-be-seen self within him, and I have absolutely no clue who or where that's leading. It's, yeah. I don't know. Like, to me, it would have to be somebody that probably wasn't featured on Monday Night Raw this week, and it's not, I don't think it's Seth Rollins again, so I don't know who he could be speaking about that he wants to be inspired by. The internet's still going crazy, obviously with those CM Punk rumors, and uh, there's also Kenta rumors, but not real rumors. It's like fan Mark booking rumors. That would be pretty cool if Kenta did. I'd rather see Kenta than CM Punk. Don't get me wrong, I hate myself. I know I'm going to mark out for CM Punk's theme song hitting and then him coming out. I'm not. But I'm not. after... 
I'm done with him. I, 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 I could say that, but I really feel like I am going to mark a little bit when he does return. But after like that initial mark out. Again, not when, if. If, yes. If it does happen, and then after that, it's just going to fade, just like with Impact, uh, whatever it is, AEW. But next up, you had Logan Paul hitting the ring. Um, Good segment with Dominic. Which Dominic, and... Dominic interrupted, and they ended up putting each other over, and Logan turned his focus to Samantha Irvin and had her get in the ring, which obviously the last time he was there, he was feuding with Ricochet, which is... Uh, her fiance, I think. I don't know. I don't think they're married at this point. I, I forget. But, but he wanted her to announce him as the new the new U.S. champion, and Ricochet ended up jumping Logan Paul, and Dominic joined in, and Ricochet got the upper hand, but Logan Paul pulled Dominic out of the ring before he could hit a shooting star press. And Dude, he landed on his feet and rolled forward. I thought that was pretty impressive. I'm even more of a mark if like to see I would love for Logan Paul and Dominic to team at some point like think about like that would be such huge heat to have Logan Paul it seems like the the two of them plus Austin Theory and Grayson Waller getting like incredible heat dude imagine that as a Survivor Series team I mean Dominic I know is with Judgment Day but imagine the four of them together on a Survivor Series team yeah. That would be inc- it would be cool. That would be incredible. But what sucks is that it sounds like they're piping booze in on television. Oh, I didn't notice. Which sparked this huge debate about whether or not they were pumping in booze and it's like, well, here's real footage from the show and it's like, yes, those boos can be very loud and they are very loud, but it's also it doesn't mean that they're not pumping in booze on TV. Yeah. Whether or not they are, I don't know, but it sounds like they were 100% piping in booze because it didn't sound real. And it makes no sense because if there's two people in WWE who are not going to need fake booze, it's Dominic Mysterio 100%, probably the person who gets the loudest booze in the company right now. In pro wrestling, probably. And Logan Paul. There's just not, there's no need for that. Imagine if they get managed by Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. Just, I mean, there's a connection between Dominic and her, so right. Just saying. After that, we saw Chelsea Green and Piper Niven pick up the victory over Natalia and a uh, not really mystery tag team partner of hers. Yeah, ended which up turned out to be Nikki Cross. I mean, Natalia really didn't have solid selection of partners because Nikki Cross, like, she got on the ring apron. Stood like just stared down the camera. She was in a trance the whole time. Yeah, she was in full trance. Then she just left. I mean, Natalia, which is pretty much the reason why they lost. But I mean, yeah, yeah. But after this, you had Drew McIntyre pick up the victory over Sami Zayn. I like this match. I th- yeah, thought this uh, was a good Drew match. McIntyre before the match though met up with Jay Uso. And warned him that whatever happens to Sami Zayn, it's on him. So, I I thought that was an interesting threat of sorts or a warning. But yeah, I thought this was a good match. All of them together. Yeah, this yeah, was a really I, good I match. I thought this was good. Rhea Ripley came out. Sami Zayn at one point almost won. But she ended up on the apron. And when Sami Zayn turned around... 
off of that basic distraction, he ate a Claymore. Mm-hmm. And people were like, well, maybe he should join the Judgment Day. And Seth Rollins even congratulated Drew McIntyre on his first victory as a member of the Judgment Day. Yeah. We gotta... I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I it's going to happen if I'd either, see that. but I think that he's going to remain. I think that Drew McIntyre is inevitably going to be that full-blown heel. You know? Right now, it's more of a teasing still, even though not really. But main know. event of the evening, you saw Priest pick up the victory over Jey Uso. Another good match. Yeah, solid match. A lot of interference, though. There were, I think, slow points from this, but uh-huh. uh, overall, I thought this was good. We saw the, the Uso splash from Jay, and like you said, with the interference, instead of going to count a pin or anything, the referee immediately turned all of his attention to Finn Balor, who ran down. Yeah. And to me, that made no sense, because there was so much time there to like go and make the count. You don't have to focus on somebody who's running out in the the all the way up on the entrance ramp. Yeah. Focus on what's going on in the match right there. I agree so with you. So that didn't make sense, but Finn Balor did eventually attack Jey Uso behind the referee's back. So it did kind of cost him that match. Mm-hmm. And then Finn Balor jumped Jay afterwards and Finn Balor grabbed chairs for them. And Cody hobbled down and fought with with uh, Judgment Day. Yeah, kind of like a, well, not kind of, full circle for the start of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, and Cody went to take out Damian Priest's leg like he took him his leg out, but Finn Balor pulled him out and saved him. Yeah. Moving over to NXT Halloween Havoc Night 1. They opened with a live performance from New Year's Day. And then Shotzi, Blackheart, and Scarlet introduced the Devil's Playground match, which Roxanne Perez picked up the victory over Kiana James in. Yeah, with the Pops pops, Rocks. Yeah, but I will say that I like that they had like a swing set and everything Mm -hmm. ringside, and they got to actually use that as a weapon. Yeah. And I thought both of them did very well in this match. And as much as I would have preferred a different match type, I I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, me and you were talking about it the other week and stuff. I was actually really happy with how this matchup took place. And I did like the unique aspect of it with that actual swing set and stuff. The uh, the Russian leg sweep through the, the slot I thought was cool by Roxanne. Yeah, there was a lot of things done in this match that we've actually never seen before. That welt that formed on Kiana James's head looked I, so rough, and I don't know where that came from. I know I felt so bad for her. That's I. I want to see. I haven't seen an aftermath picture of that yet. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. if she even posted one. But that's definitely going to be such a bad bruise. Uh, after that, we saw Carmelo Hayes sit down interview, and Vic Joseph asked him flat out, pretty much, if he took Trick out. Yeah, the whole Vic, internet thoughts. So. Like uh, Vic going right for the throat for Carmelo Hayes, and Carmelo Hayes is just like, I thought that this was going to be an interview, or and instead it ended up coming off cross as an interrogation of him about whether or not he attacked Trick Williams last week. 
Yeah, and Carmelo obviously denied it and spoke more, but ends it with justice for Trick. And Baron Corbin was interviewed later on, and he denied attacking Trick Williams and said that if it was him, he would have done it to his face, so everyone would have known it was him. I believe that. He just wants the title if Dragunov survives next week. Yeah. And then uh, Shotzi and Scarlet said that the cards point to him as the person that attacked Trick. So. Ooh. Well, next up you have the metaphor in the back. Playing with the Ouija board. Yeah. And Scarlet did a tarot card reading and uh, warned... Warn Noam Dar to hold on to the things that are that he cherishes the most as they might be gone soon. And he's like, oh, like goofing around, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no way I have the cup right here. But behind them, without noticing, Akira Tozawa showed up and stole the Heritage Cup. <laughs> and he, he posted a picture with the cup and said that if Noam Dar wants it back, come get it. And it was a haunted house. Which leads me to think we might be getting a Haunted House of Terror match. That was an entertaining match. It very much so was. And I feel like we went into it thinking, nah. There's no way this is going to be good. I don't remember if that's what we thought. But I very much so enjoyed that match. The the zombie aspect was a little bit... But it makes sense. I know. It's, it's one of those... Whatever. The zombie aspect was very... Zombie cor- ref was over big time, I think, on Twitter. What's that? Zombie ref was over big time on the Twitter. Zombie ref was, but then, like, it's very corny. But on the other hand, it's one of those matches where you have to s- suspend belief. Like, you have to suspend yourself with pro wrestling. It was Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis. Loomis doesn't even talk, so... <laughs> By the way, I'd like to see Dexter Loomis on TV. I don't know where he's at these days. I know. Yeah, agreed. But After that, we saw the debut match for Lexus King. He picked up a victory over Dante Chen. What did you think about his entrance? A, a very interesting entrance. He wheeled. He got like wheeled in on a throne, and I liked the entrance. I thought it was a cool, unique entrance. Yeah. I, there were, I thought the... Well, uh-huh. I was going to say that I thought the match itself was decent. It seemed kind of basic, but they had a lot of unique moves in this. I I agree with you. There was so many points during this match, though, that, like, I just got a glimpse of Brian Pillman. Like, especially because how he he has his hair going down, and there was just moments during that entrance or during the match where I'm like, that just, like, such a resemblance of Pillman, you know? Well, I wonder why. I know, right? But, I mean... I like the uh, the I, tiger faint choke that he did. I thought that was an interesting... I don't know. I, not necessarily a, really a tiger faint kick or whatever choke. Yeah, but I like this finisher. I don't know what else to call it. I, I would like a different finisher. Okay. I mean, give it give it that time. I, give it I time. That I didn't, I didn't necessarily like. But he got torn apart on Twitter. Why? And all, literally all he did was wrestle. He, the people like, oh, he's so uncharismatic. He's awful. He sucked in the ring. Blah, blah, blah. I've hated him since I, the indies. That's funny. Yeah, I, it's just so goofy. I saw the opposite. I saw a lot of people praising him, saying how this is what he no. should have been in AEW. Well, yes, he should have been presented a lot differently. But 
Although I, I didn't mind him and Griff Garrison with Julia Hart, but um, there was really like no follow up. Yeah, that to me that was bas- once, to me that was basic. I I don't think because it was obviously playing a little bit on the Hollywood blondes, but not really. Yeah, I I prefer this gimmick of Lexus King so far though. I feel like Lexus well, King I, is really I, gonna allow him to be a different character that he hasn't been yet. So I think that well, wrestling yeah. fans just gotta wrestling fans just gotta calm down and let's see what the kids do. No, I just think they have a thing against Brian Pillman Jr. and they just dislike him for unknown reasons. That's so weird. But next up you had Kalani Jordan pick up the victory over Ariana Grace to advance into the finals of the breakout tournament. I think Kalani Jordan has a, a great move set. Well, and I think she definitely has win. potential to be. I feel like she has to, and I think she has potential to be like that next big star in NXT. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for the finals. Should we group the finals together or not? Yeah, let's do it. Hit it up. Lola Vice picked up the victory over Carmen Petrovich to advance to the finals of that breakout tournament. And Tiffany Stratton was interviewed before this. This has nothing to do with the match, but she was interviewed. Fallon Henley was dressed as Tiffany Stratton, acted like Tiffany Stratton. I thought that was fantastic. It was like almost spot on Tiffany Stratton. I think that was like the best, maybe the best costume from Halloween Havoc Night 1. I like the uh, pinhead. Yeah, Shotzi and, and Scarlet killed it on their attires, too. Yeah. I mean, everybody I, who dressed up I thought was was cool, too. I, I also like the inclusion of Scarlet on here. Yeah. I mean, who we haven't seen in a... I mean, where's Cross, you know? Right, yeah. So, I thought it but was as really far cool as Lola Vice to be used in this. Yeah, and as far as Lola Vice and Petrovich goes, I thought this was a hard-hitting match. I like the shot-for-shot stuff that they did. Like, almost like anything you can do, I could do better sort of thing. Like, uh, Petrovich at one point towards the... Or at the end of the match, she went for a kick. Lola Vice ducked it and smacked her with her own kick and and picked up that victory. Yeah. So, next week, we have Lola Vice versus Kalani Jordan in the finals of the breakout tournament. Two people who were both featured on television before the breakout tournament, but (laughs) I'm fine with the finals. We saw Diamond Mind at one point interrupt Shotzi and Scarlett to talk about their match with Los Lotharios next week. And Shotzi spun the wheel and it landed on a tables, ladders, and scares match. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing not a street fight of sorts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how you win that match. I forget. It's I a TLC match. Recall. So are there going to be pinfalls or is there going to be something hanging? I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. We'll find out next week. We saw chase. You pick up the victory over the family to become the new NXT tag team champions, which I definitely 100% did not think Chase you would be winning this. At all. And I think with everything that Duke put into it, I thought maybe we would see new champions. Like, it started to change during the the match for me. Mm-hmm. But then we saw JC 
she tried to give Andre Chase a crowbar so he could use it and win, and he didn't want it. So I thought that was going to be the the moment where the family picks up the victory. Yeah, the change. Chasey ends up getting knocked off the apron, and Andre Chase, Tony D'Angelo was like worried about Chasey getting knocked off the apron. Andre Chase was not worried about that. He rolled Tony D'Angelo up and picked up the victory from that. Yeah. So that, that I was very, very, very surprised by that outcome. And Chase, you celebrated later on, and they were interrupted by Piper Niven and Chelsea Green. And JC's like, oh, well, guess what? Maybe we can go to HBK's office and ask for a title match. So that's taking place, I believe, next week on Halloween Havoc. That would be awesome. You know? Yeah. But next up, you had Blair Davenport pick up the victory over Gigi Dolan in a lights-out match. They actually turned the lights off. I don't know how I like those matches. I did not like this. I don't think this was... I don't even think this was comparable to the Devil's Playground match. I agree. It definitely... The Devil's Playground match was definitely the better of the matches and gimmick match-wise. The Lights Out match, I just... I'm not a fan of. The the main difference between that and the, the Devil's Playground was that this one had to be won inside the ring. But it really is truly the same sort of stipulation. This one just had the lights off. And I... Didn't think the lights were going to be off. I completely forgot that they had Tiffany Stratton and Wendy Chu have one with the lights off. That was not part of Halloween Havoc. It was a random August, and it was hard to see stuff. It was hard to see in this match. I definitely enjoyed Tiffany Stratton versus Wendy Chu more than I did with this one, though. Uh. But Blair Davenport put Gigi Dolan through a table from uh, off the commentary table and then put her in the ring, picked up the victory. Yeah, and the main event of the evening, just going to say, the women killed it on NXT. Yeah, this is like a weekly occurrence at this point. Yeah, just totally killed it. So props to everybody for stepping up and really showing what they're made of. But Lyra Valkyria picked up the victory over Becky Lynch to become the new NXT Women's Champion. It wasn't Tiffany Stratton to dethrone Becky Lynch again. It was Valkyria. Wow. I don't think anybody expected that. Jade Cargill sat in the crowd for this? Yes, Jade Cargill, the big name, uh, came out to watch this take place. And I like I like how big they made this match feel. They showed people watching in the UK. Mm-hmm. And overall, I thought this was a good match. Yeah, and I agree. Back in... Back in 2020, when Charlotte won the title, I, I think it 100% elevated the NXT Women's Championship, and we got to see that championship defended at WrestleMania. But with Becky Lynch going back to NXT and winning this, we've gotten so many more cool matches, and I think more from this title run mm-hmm. than Charlotte's title run. Charlotte's, I think she defended it like once. Maybe. Yeah, I I agree with you. We've been getting a lot from Becky Lynch with this title reign. I mean, from tag team matches to elevating other superstars. Yeah, she's you know? elevated everyone that she's faced. And, and I, this victory for Lyra Valkyria was completely unexpected. Yeah. She kicked out of the manhandle slam and then 
when Becky went for another one, she reversed it with a pin and picked up the victory off of that. I def- definitely did not expect that pin to happen like that as well because it was such a smooth pin. You know, it was more of a pin that you would expect somebody to kick out of. But the way that she, it was just really well done. Yeah. Not not expected at all. I'm I'm happy to see Lyra Valkyria as champion. I think she should have been an NXT UK Women's Champion. I think it's unfortunate that Becky Lynch is no longer NXT Champion. Yeah. So it's like sort of a double-edged sword there, but I uh, I definitely appreciated Becky Lynch's NXT Championship reign. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to whatever's next for Lyra Valkyria. But that's NXT Halloween Havoc Night 1. Moving over to SmackDown. It opened up with the WWE Championship contract signing where LA Knight interrupted Roman Reigns' entrance and walked right by him. Didn't even look at him. And I think that was a huge moment. And then to top that, he sat at the head of the table where Roman Reigns would sit. And I thought that was just absolutely fantastic. Roman Reigns called LA Knight stupid for signing the contract without reading, I believe. But I think all of this, this whole segment, elevated LA Knight to that championship level. And Roman Reigns eventually got fed up with LA Knight and flipped the table, started to beat him down. LA Knight had a quick comeback, but he got cut off by Jimmy. And then Jimmy focused on Roman Reigns for a second, and he ended up getting dropped through a table. And then later on, Jimmy came into the locker room and Roman questioned where he's been. And he was like, oh, I was in the trainer's room. And Roman's like, well, you ran the wrong play. And then Roman told Jimmy that he needs to go take care of it on SmackDown. And Jimmy was like, "Uh, I'm on the injured reserve. And Roman Reigns was like, what? He goes, I'm off the injured reserve. And I thought that was really funny. So a singles match gets set up for them on SmackDown. I'll talk about that in a bit. The first match of SmackDown, we saw the Street Profits pick up the victory over the LWO, Santos Escobar, and Carlito. I thought this was a good match. We got a a more aggressive side from the Street Profits. They got a new theme song with Bobby Lashley. Um, Definitely need to hear a clearer version of that before I give judgment, though. Um, But... I like this match, that running knee from Santos Escobar that rocked Dawkins was so dope. Uh, But backstage, Logan Paul showed up, knocked Rey Mysterio out with one punch. That was shown on the Tron, and Carlito ran back to deal with that. Santos told him he got it, and he did handle it by himself for a bit. Obviously, it didn't end up being the case. He got hit with the, the revelation to lose the match. But I think that was still an enjoyable match. And then Logan Paul was interviewed about it. Ends up walking into Kevin Owens. They have a little stare down. Logan Paul leaves. And A-Town Down Under get into a screaming match with Kevin Owens. The agents break it up. But they were talking about whether or not Kevin Owens could knock them both down with one punch. The same punch. And they obviously said no. He obviously said yes. Jamie Noble moved Kevin Owens out of the the situation, but KO came back and and punched both of them with one punch, and I thought that was such a funny segment. After that, we saw Shotzi Blackheart pick up the victory over Chelsea Green. 
This match stemmed from uh, Piper and Chelsea interrupting a conversation between Shotzi and Nick Aldis. And I thought this was a good match. I liked the the side Russian leg sweep from Chelsea from the middle rope. I liked that move. I think she controlled a lot of the match, but Shotzi in the end stole the victory after Chelsea turned her attention away to basically gloat for a hot second. Um, I also thought it was cool that Shotzi's gear was made from an actual straight jacket that Corey Graves pointed out. I thought that was cool. After that, John Cena came out. This episode of SmackDown was supposed to be his last date, but they announced he's going to be taking on Solo Sokoa at Crown Jewel. And he said for the first time in 20 years, he feels he's in jeopardy of losing the fans' respect. He had doubts about whether or not he still got it, but the only thing to do with Crown Jewel is win. It's a must-win. It's a must-see event. And then Paul Heyman interrupted and spoke about the history of him and John Cena, and he said it doesn't matter if John Cena still has it in the ring. As long as he still has it on the mic, he'll have the WWE Universe. And he hyped up Solo Sokoa, who then attacked John Cena from behind. And I thought that was a good segment with John Cena. Hopefully Crown Jewel's not the last time we see him. We saw Dragon Lee interviewed, which was interrupted by Cedric Alexander, who asked for a match with Dragon Lee. He introduced himself, asked for a match, mentioned the Cruiserweight Classic, uh, and then we saw Dragon Lee pick up the victory over Cedric Alexander. And I think it's fantastic to see Cedric again. They aired a little video package for him too, which I think is great. Uh, And I think this match started out somewhat like the Cruiserweight Classic, but it got a bit slow for me. It kind of picked up after the commercial break. And I thought it was a decent match, but maybe if it was longer, they could have gotten the match up to where I thought it was going to be. Because I thought we were about to see something on like that Cruiserweight Classic level with all the mentioning of it, but... It just wasn't that, it wasn't a bad match though. And I'm looking forward to seeing more Cedric Alexander and it just gives Dragon Lee a a victory on television. We saw Bianca Belair come out and address what damage control did to her to take her out of action. And she said that for the first time in her career, she was out and alone with her thoughts. And all she could think about was how she could make damage control pay And she said it was the vengeance that got her up every single day and got her to train harder than ever before to get back so she can do or get revenge on damage control. And she had a plan. She delivered it to Nick Aldis. And at Crown Jewel, she'll be facing EO Sky for the championship. Next week, she'll be facing Bailey, And she said that she's not going to stop until damage control is done. So I think that should be a good match between the two of them. I really hope that EO retains because I really don't want to see the end of, of damage control. I've said that for months now, it seems. Also, I could swear we were supposed to see the Unholy Union on SmackDown, but that didn't happen, which is a shame because Halloween Havoc, uh, not Halloween Havoc, ha- well, also Halloween Havoc, but Halloween's literally next Tuesday, so or this Tuesday, so it's. Uh, I think it would have been the perfect time to have both of them on an episode of SmackDown. Uh, they apparently wrestled a dark match, but maybe they'll be on Halloween Havoc. Who knows? 
The main event saw LA Knight pick up the victory over Jimmy Uso. Good match. Jimmy, I think, at times got a bit too cocky, which led to LA Knight getting the better of him at times. But I think it was obvious that Jimmy was going to lose this. Uh, I think the biggest thing after... Like, obviously, Roman Reigns would be pissed off at that. But Roman showed up when LA Knight was celebrating. Goes to spear the absolute hell out of LA Knight. And LA Knight dodged it. And he ends up hitting Roman Reigns with a BFT. This was a huge episode for LA Knight. So, and, and rightfully so. He's got a championship match against Roman Reigns, the longest reigning champion in this modern era at Crown Jewel. So I thought it had a, a great opening with with LA Knight and, and Roman Reigns in the contract signing and a great closing with Roman Reigns getting bested by LA Knight. So that's SmackDown. I'm going to take a quick little break and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Yeah, this is Shock Illusionist Dan Sperry and you're listening to Marking Out. Moving right along. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 664. Going back to AEW Rampage from last week, we saw the debut of Mystico pick up the victory over Rocky Romero in a two out of three falls match. Um, Back when he was in WWE, everyone literally always complained about Sin Cara botching moves. But when he was announced for this, it was as if that like never happened. And I feel like he just didn't translate well to the WWE style. He couldn't really adapt, but I like Mystico when he's in Mexico. I didn't really have that big of a problem with Sin Cara looking back on it at least. But it was cool to see him here. I was pumped for this match when they announced it. I thought it was going to be on Dynamite last week. But Mystico picked up the first fall by uh, having Rocky Romero tap out. Rocky tied it up with a sliced bread. And then Mystico made him tap with that tilt-a-whirl arm bar. So I uh, I very much so enjoyed seeing Mystico in AEW there. After that, John Silver picked up the victory over Brother Zay and Kip Sabian to gain a title shot at Battle of the Belts. I don't think Dark Order or Butcher and the Blade should have been ringside. But since they were ringside, then I feel like the Hardy Boys should have been ringside. Because, like, the other teams were there. Where were the Hardys? Both teams ended up getting into each other's faces. Brother Zay took them out, and then... He put Kip Sabian back into the ring, hit a swanton, and Johnny took advantage of that. He kicked Brother Zay out of the pin and pinned Kip Sabian himself. Blackpool Combat Club picked up the victory over Brian Keith and Exodus Prime. This was one of those matches that makes it seem like AEW really doesn't have anything for the Blackpool Combat Club right now on AEW television. I don't think this match was necessary. Main event saw Ruby Soho pick up the victory over Sky Blue. I liked Sky's Scooby-Doo gear. I thought that was cool. The match, not so much. If they were going to do a match like this, then it probably shouldn't have been the main event. 
And for me, we're still missing that aggressive side of Sky Blue that I think the mist should have caused in her. There was a hint of it with those elbows, but really that's not enough. And then the ending of this was just flat out trash. There's absolutely no way Rick Knox shouldn't have been able to see Soraya hit Sky Blue with the can of spray paint twice. That made no sense. And outside of that spot, or outside of Rick Knox probably seeing that, the hits I don't think looked good either. And then it ended the outcasts attack Sky Blue. Chris Statlander made the save and she went to help Sky Blue up and Sky rolled out of the ring. She wanted nothing to do with Chris Statlander. Moving over to AEW Collision, what was billed as a dream match? I think a lot of people expected something else when Tony Khan hyped this match up as a dream match. But Brian Danielson picked up the victory over Andrade. Super random match, but I'm glad it happened. Um... Honestly, it's just nice to see Andrade on TV. Because it's been about a month since we've seen him. And I think this should have been the main event. Really outside of the the ending, I think I thought this was a really good match. I just hate that pin, pin, pin spot. Especially when it leads to the end. So, I really don't think Brian Danielson needed a victory here. Andrade could have used the victory, but I understand why it happened. After the match, the lights went out. Malachi Black showed up. No eye paint, which was interesting. But he knocked the absolute hell out of Brian Danielson. The Blackpool Combat Club ran down. The lights went off again and they disappeared. There was no follow-up on Dynamite from this. I don't think. I'll get to that in a moment. After that, Sky Blue picked up the victory over Hollywood. Haley J. There really wasn't a reason to have this match. But I think it was so much better than the match that was on Rampage. Even though this match was much shorter. And not with an established star. After that, the Guns picked up the victory over the Outrunners. This was, to me, another nothing match. The devil appeared on the screen afterwards. That's, I think, the main takeaway. Hopefully there's more follow-up. We did get that on Dynamite, but it's really a slow build here. We saw Jeff Jarrett pick up the victory over Eddie Kingston in a street fight. Obviously, all of Triple J got involved. With the, the victory comes a title shot for Jay Lethal. And honestly, I could have done without this match, but I'm glad Jeff Jarrett won instead of having Eddie Kingston get some fired up comeback to pick up the victory. He literally went against all of Triple J. And then Eddie Kingston warned Jay Lethal not to bring Triple J. He warned him not to bring his family to their match because he's going to beat the absolute crap out of him. We saw... Miro pick up the victory over Action Andretti. Based on the length of this match and what went on in the match, it seems like they might be building Andretti up again. But I also have a lot of doubts that they are. 
the main takeaway was that Lana was ringside. She approached Andrade later on to maybe manage him. So I guess she's moved on from Action Andretti. FTR versus Darian Bengston and Thad Brown ended in a no contest. The only thing worth noting was that the lights went out again. Malachi Black showed up. The lights go out again. House of Black showed up and they beat down FTR. No edge. I feel like people expected Edge. Edge is kind of built into that storyline with FTR. After that, Big Bill and Ricky Starks defeated the Blackpool Combat Club to retain the Tag Team Championships. This probably should have happened in a couple of weeks because for me, that just gets grouped in with the creative has nothing for you. Like, They get the title shot and then literally have the title match the next night. That's, I don't think that's necessary. But again, the main focus of this was that the House of Black showed up and they beat down the Blackpool Combat Club. And then just like almost every other week for what seems like a month, the show ends in a brawl. Just different people. John Moxley returned. Everybody hit their finishers on, on Ricky Starks. And that led into Battle of the Belts. Orange Cassidy picked up the victory over John Silver to retain. Obviously, Orange Cassidy was retaining the title, but it was still an enjoyable match. Alex Reynolds at one point grabbed the title, and they did, I think, one of the worst distraction spots ever because the goofy ref gets out of position when Alex ran up on the apron, so instead of going to get him off the apron, he turns around to John Silver so Alex can actually hit Orange Cassidy with the title. How does that make sense? I have no idea. But Orange Cassidy obviously came back to win because he's Orange Cassidy. And really the biggest thing to note from this was John Moxley getting in Orange Cassidy's face beforehand. And he laid out a challenge to Claudio and Brian Danielson to face him and Okada on Dynamite, which I literally thought was a fake graphic when I saw it on Twitter. But after that, we saw Samoa Joe pick up the victory over Tony Nese to retain. Tony Nese and Smart Mark spoke before the match. Nothing happened in the match. Samoa Joe said he's coming for the AEW Championship. We saw Chris Statlander pick up the victory over Willow Nightingale to retain. Willow did not come out as bubbly as she normally does due to what we can only assume was the mist. But it's kind of like she's bored and I understand it. And it's like um, like the cheerleaders in Smells Like Nirvana by Weird Al, the music video for that. Um, but I thought it was a good match. I don't think in ring wise, Willow was much different. Commentary mentioned that they've never seen her choke somebody before. So maybe that's an added thing, but sky blue came out after the match and stopped Willow from 
shaking Chris Statlander's hand. Willow, I guess, kind of fighting the the mist, still shook Chris Statlander's hand. Sky Blue was not happy about that. Main event saw the acclaimed pick up the victory over the Jericho Appreciation Society, or the not Jericho Appreciation Society, to retain the championships. Max Caster's rap was straight up garbage. I don't understand how Tony Khan approved that. There's absolutely no reason to refer to Taylor Swift the way that he did. It gives Kanye West vibes, and I think that's absolute trash. The main focus of this match was really just Matt Menard and Daniel Garcia. Can they coexist? Anna Jay got kicked from ringside trying to get them on the same page, but it was definitely on and off about whether or not they could. And Daniel Garcia ended up dancing and that cost them the match. Matt Menard has every reason to be pissed off at that. Moving over to AEW Dynamite. It opened with MJF backstage being interviewed. He called Adam Cole. Roderick Strong interrupted the phone call and said that MJF is obviously the guy in the devil mask, but he's going to help him out because his friendship with Adam Cole. MJF pushed him away and called out Jay White. Then the dub, the devil gimmick cut in, and I thought that was just such a weird opening. It led into MJF picking up the victory over Juice Robinson to retain the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Too much, I think, of this match was fought outside the ring. Juice Robinson got busted open at one point. I feel like that should have been saved for the finish. The guns got involved. Bryce looked so dumb, awful in this match. He started kicking the guns. In what world is the referee kicking talent like that? I know we've seen stuff like that before, but it's like when they're when they get to a breaking point. This is him officiating. That makes no sense. And it was just so goofy, but Juice Robinson tried to use his his goofy ring or whatever, his his fake ring. MJF ended up using his own behind the referee's back. That should have busted Juice Robinson open. After that, the guns beat MJF down. Roderick Strong in the kingdom ran down to make the save. Well, the kingdom ran down. Roderick was was rolled down. But the guns took the kingdom out. Jay White got in the ring and went to hit MJF. But the acclaimed ran down to make that actual save. And then MJF was good enough to, to respond to Jay White after being beat down and he gave the guns an ROH title shot. I guess he'll be defending them again by himself. The righteous disappeared. Maybe the guns will disappear after that. I had such high hopes for the righteous and then where the hell have they where have they been? Gone. But he challenged the Bullet Club gold against him and three partners. Roderick Strong tried to get picked as uh, team members. That didn't work out for him. MJF told him off. And then Max Caster tried to get the spot, which I thought was obvious that the acclaim would be the people in the match. But MJF 
turned him down. He said, I'm never going to tag with you. And then Kenny Omega came out and said that he wants the AEW championship. MJF gave him a match on collision. Way too much happening in this opening segment. There were too many storylines taking place here. And then you cut to the next segment. Wardlow's running the Rocky Steps. We did that when we were in Philadelphia. Go to our TikTok, at Marking Out. Check, that, check out that video. But he's running the steps. He wants to take the title from MJF. So that adds more MJF storyline elsewhere. And then later on, Samoa Joe said that he'd be, on, uh, he'd be MJF's friend if MJF gave him a rematch for the championship. So again, continuing MJF and Samoa Joe, but again, you have all these little pins weaving a web. It's looking like that gif of Charlie from, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. There's way too many things going on. After that, Hook and Rob Van Dam teamed up, picked up the victory over the Dark Order, John Silver, Alex Reynolds. I think they could have used an entrance here. I think it's even less believable that they'd win when they don't even have proper presentation. I I hate that. But they did another referee distraction spot so Evil Uno could get hit with the Van Daminator. That's... There was not much to this match. Afterwards, Sting and Darby Allen came out. Sting thanked Darby. He thanked Tony Khan. He thanked Philadelphia. He thanked the fans. And then Tony Schiavone said that Sting put wrestling on the map. Wrestling on TBS on the map. And had a gift for Sting via Tony Khan. And it was goddamn Ric Flair. The one thing AEW certainly does not need is Ric Flair. And Ric Flair ends up saying he's going to ride it out with Sting up until March. Which makes it sound like Ric Flair is going to be in AEW until March. On TV every week? I have no idea. We don't need that. At all. Christian came out, made fun of them. And then challenged the three of them to a six-man tag match. I hope, it doesn't seem like it's going to be Ric Flair. I assumed it would be Edge, but he was interviewed later on. Still claiming that he's not going to fight Christian. And then Darby showed up with Sting, told him not to be stupid, and then Sting yelled at him. I thought it would probably be Edge. I'm a little less certain that it would be Edge now, but I still think it'll be Edge. After that, Chris Jericho had a sit-down interview. He spoke about how Will Hobbs left him beaten down, broken. He needed time to recoup. He needs revenge, though. And he has friends who are bigger than, than Powerhouse Hobbs. And it might be time to call them. Ultimately, it sounds like he's about to call the big show and reform Jericho, which I don't think is necessary. But that's the only person I could think of who is bigger than Powerhouse that is an ally of Chris Jericho. After that, the Elite picked up the victory over the Hardys and Brother Zay to retain the trio's championships. 
Prince Nana and Swerve showed up to Hangman's house after the match. And Swerve went into the kid's nursery and, and cut a promo on, on uh, Hangman. And threw the kid some free merch. And Hangman took off running. And commentary is like, folks, if we hear any updates, we'll update you. Which, what kind of update could you possibly give us? Hangman booked a flight home? What's Hangman running out of the ring to do? Like, what's that going to accomplish? Where are you going? You're not in the same vicinity as your house. And there was no update. So, I don't know why they would even say that. After that, Hikaru Shida picked up the victory over Ruby Soho to retain the championship. Ruby faked as if Hikaru Shida sprayed her in the eyes with the paint. And then... Ruby went to hit Hikaru Shida with the championship in front of the referee. Hikaru Shida ends up spraying the title. Aubrey turns around to get the paint can out of the ring. And Ruby pulls Hikaru Shida's hair. At that point, do you really need a referee's distraction to pull hair? I think this match could have and should have been so much better than it was. But it just wasn't, it wasn't there for me. And that goofy referee distraction spot completely takes away from it. Tony Storm showed up afterwards and twirled around a bit. Hikaru Shida looks super confused, but it seems like that'll be a a match at full gear. Main event saw Brian Danielson and Claudio pick up the victory over Orange Cassidy and Okada. I don't know if it was John Moxley who bumped Orange Cassidy. Should he have not been in this match? And why would Okada, I get they're in chaos together, but why would Okada care about this? On a random dynamite, he just shows up to lose. That I thought was beyond surprising. I I thought for sure we'd see Okada and Orange Cassidy pick up the victory. But as soon as this match ended, Brian Danielson started getting uh, attended to by doctors. John Moxley came out, Hook came out, the rest of Chaos came out. And commentary seemed like they had no clue what was going on. The fans lost all the wind. I don't know what this ending was. I saw a tweet saying that Brian Danielson walked off on his own. Could this, I mean, he didn't get misted. But could this be some sort of effect from Malachi Black? Am I to piece that together? I have no idea. This was a very, very, very awkward ending. But that's Dynamite. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Damn it, Bobby. How many times do I have to tell you to listen to Brandon's shout-outs? Goosebumps is a brand new series on Disney Plus and Hulu. Obviously based on the book series by R.L. Stein. Justin Long stars in it with Rachel Harris and Rob Hubel. Haven't, he- haven't heard his name in a long time. Yeah. I, I don't know what he's been doing, but... Uh... The yeah, show, Justin Long, it, for those that don't know, I mean, Dodgeball, Cheapers Creepers. 
I, I don't Jeepers Creepers. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, it's a one of the horror movies, obviously. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, the the show obviously focuses more on the children in the high school. But uh, I enjoyed what's been released of this so far, mm-hmm. and I think the full series will be out by Thanksgiving. So it definitely reminds me of the original series. It reminds me of the anthology version of Are You Afraid of the Dark that they that they did. They brought back Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it kind of reminds me of Are You Afraid of the Dark too, since it's like the same similar situations. Okay, but I would say check it out. Like I said, Disney Plus and and I believe Hulu as well. The next shout out goes to Old Dads, which is a new movie out on Netflix, which was co-written and directed by Bill Burr. He stars in it with Bokeem Woodbine and Bobby Cannavale. Uh, The basic plot of this is that they're all in their 50s and now have to deal with the changing times and how I guess they should be behaving and also raising kids at the same time. I gotta say, we... My coworker tossed this on at work during a lunch break. I wasn't that big of a fan of it. It didn't do anything for I me. I thought it was really funny. Maybe you weren't paying attention. No, I was I was paying attention. I mean, I was doing documentation, but I was also yeah, You like, weren't paying attention then. I don't know. I wasn't a fan of the humor of it. I thought it was I don't know. I didn't like it. I thought it was like straight up Bill Burr humor stand-up classic. Rachel Harris, by the way, is also in this project, but I thought the movie was funny. I think Bill Burr is pretty constant with with that. Mm. I guess you you should pay attention. Nah, I, the I don't last think shout I'm, out goes. It's, it's not my humor. I don't know. It's just funny. Bill Burr, I think, is great, uh-huh. and he, I think he does family stuff really well. But it, it's not for, it's not going to be for everybody. But my last shout out goes to Frasier, which is back with a sequel series to the original show. It's on Paramount Plus. And I think for the most part, if you liked the original run, you should enjoy it. And I completely understand if people won't enjoy it. But I think, give it a chance. And I don't even think you need to have known stuff from the original show or Cheers in order to grasp the concept of the show. I feel like it's pretty obvious, like... Once you start watching, it's not like a, you know, you don't have to know the past to understand. Right. Yeah. And obviously you'll miss some of the things here and there, but nothing major in regards to a plot. Yeah. Like when he's drinking at the bar, he's like, he's talking about like, oh, I don't know why this town brings me to the bars or something like that. And it's like, it's funny because, oh, he was on Cheers in that city. Spoiler. So (laughs) it's in the trailer. (laughs) But uh, I would 100% recommend this, and you basically get everything in the first episode. His dad, unfortunately, passed away, so he goes back to Boston in hopes to get a better uh, a better relationship with his own son. And that's uh, and, real life, too, unfortunately. Yeah, John Mahoney actually died in real life, and I like that they still included a clip of him as a tribute, so... Yeah, that's cool. Definitely check out Frasier on Paramount+. Plus. And those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for... Our... Mark Out Moment of the Week! That is right, our Mark Out Moment of the Week. 
Um, well, Bad Bunny was on Saturday Night Live. We mentioned that last week. But yeah, it's totally uh, aired since then. marked out for Bad Bunny being on Saturday Night Live. It Bad was Bunny a hit, very well. hit or miss seg- on the just, segments it, at it times. Makes sense. It, I think it makes sense because he's Spanish speaking. Uh-huh. So like the sketches were geared towards him speaking Spanish for the most part. Yeah. But I thought it was funny. I mean, uh, Mick Jagger was on it. Yeah, Mick Jagger. I mean, 80 years old and rocking out over there. Yeah. You know, even that, like, with him in that nun segment. <laughs> yeah. You know? I think he would be a pretty good host. I think so, too, you know? But, yeah, I thought Bad Bunny in, did a really good job up there. Yeah, and in relation to Bad Bunny, 2K announced... An updated 2023 Bad Bunny for WW2K23, which I popped for, and I thought it was cool that we were getting free, uh, free DLC, like an updated model for him. And then it came out that they're actually charging 9.99 for it. And what comes with it is a My Faction card, which is useless, as well as a, a Puerto Rican LWO shirt, which I think is cool. But it's just a slap in the face that they did that. And I, I really hope people don't spend money on that. And it's just, it's so goofy that they did that. They released Big Papa Pump as a My Faction exclusive card, just like they did with Stunning Steve the other month. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's just beyond goofy that we can't use them in all modes. And it's yeah. even more of a, a slap in the face that we we have Bad Bunny in the game. Why would anyone want to pay nine ninety nine for another Bad Bunny? Uh, it just doesn't That's make like, sense. That you know? should be like instantly. That should be like a free DLC item. Yeah, I, That's disgusting that they're doing that. I agree. I did. I marked out that AEW is going to be at Nassau Coliseum on in December. That garbage dump. That was uh, announced. What was that? I said garbage dump. Oh, Coliseum. Yeah, they renovated it for how many years, and it, it and it somehow shrunk and. They didn't do anything with the outside. I know. With the hallways. I do. I do agree. They 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 could have done so much better with just expanding the inside. And what they should have done was let that guy renovate the the Coliseum when he wanted to. Was it Wang? Yeah, yeah. I know. You're having somebody pay for the whole thing. They could have. Nah, done... we're not going to have you do that. You're not allowed to do that. Let's let everybody that lives around here pay for it. Yeah. I, I do agree and with let's that. Let's make it worse. Let's add a stupid outside to it and make it worse. Mm. Congrats, guys. Yeah. But uh, at Bound for Glory, Impact Wrestling announced that they're be going back to TNA starting in January with Hard to Kill. So I think that's kind of cool. I don't fully understand it. Yeah, but I don't know what to expect with all of that. You know? The AEW fans surely jumped down to uh, attack them. I think that was pretty absurd. It was like super fans positive. Just, yeah, it was super positive and then like super negative. Yeah, it makes no sense. It doesn't I, even affect you. I mean, fan, in general, people. I feel like I hate it. Like in general, people tend to just be mean. Especially I feel like because of social media empowering people to just have that freedom to be mean and hateful in such a public manner it it sucks 
Well, um, the bump did a Halloween episode this week, and it, I thought it was a lot of fun. They had Boogeyman on again. Kayla Braxton dressed up as Zelina Vega, which I thought was funny. Megan Morant dressed as Grayson Waller, which I think was like spot on. Matt Camp was dressed yeah. as The Miz. Ryan Popola was Macho Man. I feel like that was a cop-out costume. No offense to Ryan. That's just a purchasable co- uh, costume. Yeah. Even though, I mean, Miz is pretty easy to throw on together last minute or something. But I think it still worked for for Matt. I... Uh, but Shotzi and Scarlet were also on. And I thought they, they... I don't know what their costume was. It was like a conjoined clown. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was from something. But would you eat worms? No. If Boogie Boogeyman gave you a worm to eat? No. They were all eating worms. That's disgusting. I would I would eat how's this? I would eat an insect if it was cooked properly and baked properly. But I wouldn't like they would, you know? I mean it's super healthy for you, they say. Yeah. About that. But <laughs> something else I marked out for was Grayson Waller taking on the entire Taylor Nation. Well, <laughs> Which is something also they discussed on the bump with Grayson Waller, but I mean, and then him wearing a Taylor Swift T-shirt during the live event. Yeah, I think he's definitely a Swifty. I I could see him definitely be a Swifty too, but I want to see this kind of publicized more. I want to see him on like Monday Night Raw or something like, or he's he's on SmackDown. somewhere. I want him to really go deep with these Swifties and see what he could blow up a little bit. Well. I think it's you got to be careful with what you say because you don't want to say something stupid like Max Caster. Yes, no, that's where I, I I can't see Grayson Waller going to that sort of a level though. I mean, Grayson Waller called Taylor Swift a six, but it's like yeah, but I don't think that's anything no, close to what uh-uh. Caster I don't, said. And I, I think I, I spoke about that earlier. I really don't know how that got approved. I like Max Caster, but that was just that was just a dumb line. We say that many times with this stuff that he does say that sometimes yeah. it's just like, why are we going this route to just 100%. be in? Like, why are we going? Why you know? It's just distasteful to me when you have to go that kind of a low route to get the intention. You know, you're yeah. talented. You can rap. You don't need to do that shock rap. Just for the and like intention. I said before, it's very reminiscent of Kanye West, and that's like the whole thing. It, this whole thing that led to Reputation, basically, her album Reputation, because Kanye West and Kim Kardashian had a phone call with Taylor Swift to be like, oh, hey, I'm releasing this song. What do you think about this line? Which she kind of seems uncomfortable in the clip, but she's like, oh, yeah, that's good. And it wasn't anything bad. And then all of a sudden, what Max Caster said basically ends up in the line. In the in the as a line in the the Kanye West song, yeah, and that wasn't discussed. But Kim Kardashian puts out a, a video, a doctored video of the the phone call, and for months people are like, "Oh, well, they proved to be right." And Taylor Swift is stupid. Taylor Swift gave her consent. She's a snake because Kim Kardashian posted that she's a snake. And then months later, it came out that the phone call was doctored. And not once did they mention that line to her. Yeah. So, I don't think stuff like that needs to be mentioned on television like that. I agree with you. 
Do you have any more mark out moments? No, take it home, brother. Well, I have one more because it was The Rock's mother's birthday. Oh, yeah, this was cute. And he sang Happy Birthday Sweet 16 to his mom while she was playing the ukulele. And I marked out for this because I'm a huge fan. Obviously, I said this last week with The Rock and Billy Joel. I'm a huge fan of wrestling. Obviously, I'm a big fan of The Rock. But I'm a huge fan of Neil Sedaka. So to hear The Rock singing Neil Sedaka, I, I definitely marked out for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think more people should listen to Neil Sedaka. Yeah. So those are the mark out moments of the week and some sort of knots, but... Follow us on Twitter at Marking Out. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. Chris Sweendog and CM Sweeney85, Twitter and Instagram. David PTDPT on all three platforms. Facebook.com slash Marking Out. YouTube.com slash Marking Out. Marking Out 11. Uh, YouTube.com slash Marking Out 11, which is also our Instagram. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. I'll get you some super sweet, cool t shirts. You'll look very strapping. Uh, TikTok, at Marking Out. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Obviously, Google's going away soon, but check it out there as well. MarkingOut.com. And we wish you the... The... Best. Best of luck in your future endeavors.